Welcome to Ahead of the Game, a podcast brought to you by the Digital Marketing Institute. This episode is a big Q&A where we explore an area of marketing through a leading industry expert. I'm your host, Will Francis, and today I'll be talking to Dominic Schneider all about B2B digital marketing. In other words, marketing your products and services to other businesses through social and digital channels. Dominic is Global Head of Digital Marketing and Customer Engagement at Straumann Group in Basel, Switzerland. They're a leader in dentistry products, offering things like implants and braces all around the world. He's worked in global healthcare and industrial brands based in Switzerland, including Clariant and Roche, and now heads up all digital activity at Straumann Group, where he's built up their social media channels and he runs global integrated digital marketing campaigns, as well as driving digital commercial transformation across the whole company. Dominic, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on. Thank you for having me. Uh, great pleasure. Thanks. It's a pleasure because the, the topic B2B marketing is one that um, a lot of people struggle with, particularly those who are transitioning over from B2C marketing, you know, who are new to it. It can seem quite tough. So we'll get into all the details of that. And I'm looking forward to learning lots from you. Um, but just first of all, just give me a brief overview um, what you do in your role, so like who you're marketing to, and generally how you do that. Um, so B2B in my area, which is dentistry for the Straumann Group, uh, means marketing to dental professionals all around the globe. Um, when we talk about dental professionals, these can be you know general practitioners, that can be oral and maxillofacial surgeons, can be periodontologists, orthodontists, um, dental labs. So, you know, all different kinds of uh, dental professionals that we have to market to. And they're all, you know, a little bit different in their roles and, you know, what they do in their daily business and therefore also how they are receptive to, to our, you know, communication. And therefore, I think marketing in dentistry, specifically for the Stramon Group, means a high granularity in, you know, tweaking and customizing, personalizing messages so that our target audience finds them valuable and, and useful. Um, besides that, I think it's also, yes, we're operating worldwide. And um, that means, you know, taking into consideration various cultures, economies, you know, market situations. Um, we don't have the illusion that, you know, we can, from the headquarter here in Basel, Switzerland, really operate, you know, all local digital marketing or communications or general marketing and sales activities centrally. So what we try to do is naturally creating and delivering core building blocks so that then the, the countries, the local markets are able to make adaptations and um, execute um, locally. Because in the end, you know, um, every dental profession is a little bit different in all the markets and the local people know their markets best. Um, they have the local expertise, they have the local contacts and, you know, you always need to tweak it a little bit so that, you know, it gives a, a local top spin and therefore it's always this, you know, interplay between centralized brand building and local execution to make it fit for, for the local market. Yeah. 
So how do you manage that? How do you give that freedom locally whilst making sure that, you know, the brand is um, being stuck to and, and, and all that kind of thing? How do you kind of reconcile those two things? Yeah, it's an excellent question. And um, I think there is no definite answer to that. Uh, there is just, you know, trying it to do one or the other way. Um, Strauman Group has been traditionally very decentralized, um, which may be right or wrong uh, for, for different markets, for different companies. Um, we just really truly believe that, you know, the market should be as independent as, as possible uh, to act like speedboats, not to be, you know, too much dependent on, on, you know, the headquarters, which tend to be slower than what they uh, are asked to, how, they, how fast they react locally. Um, but of course, it goes with, you know, strong enablement, um, strong internal communication, making everybody aware what the brand guidelines are, uh, what the brand stands for, uh, what is allowed, what isn't allowed. So it's a lot about, you know, yeah, internal education, enablement, and a constant flow of information. But naturally, I mean, sometimes we, yeah, detect things locally that we probably wouldn't have, you know, approved as such if everything would go through central approval. But then again, you know, it's not about finger pointing or, um, you know, finding a culprit, but then again, taking up the conversation and, and you know, uh, making people smarter and uh, yeah, so that, that they can live up to their best. I think that's an inevitable price that you pay, isn't it? For, you know, unless you have a completely rigid global structure that is completely centralized, yes, there will always be a bit of compromise, but I think it's it would be unrealistic to expect anything else. What we're also trying to do, I think, in, in that respect is really um, what we currently see or have seen in the past is a lot of reinventing the wheel when it comes uh, to local markets. So they didn't really, you know, share the information among them with best practices, what has worked best. Um, so we now explore a, a new go-to-market model or uh, digital commercialization concept that, you know, where we centralize at least or put into shared service centers the competencies to run digital marketing marketing campaigns uh, locally with shared um, expertise, shared service centers that at least, you know, um, we know which country is doing which campaign and that if it has been successful in one country, we can also um, share with other countries and make it, um, you know, a, a group thing. Um, in parallel, we're also trying to, um, you know, bridge the gap between we have different brands. So Strama Group is a, is a house of brands. Um, and they, again, they're also all very independent, have their unique identity, um, brand identity. And they deliver sort of blueprints or blueprint campaign toolboxes um, to this marketing operations studio, as we call it. And together with those people, we then help the markets to execute campaigns locally, um, which naturally, you know, um, brings us to uh, adhering to the brand guidelines as much as possible and also exploiting, you know, synergies from, from, from one market to the other. That, that's interesting. Yes. So you, you, it's a two-way thing and the learnings can come back from the markets, things that have worked particularly well in specific markets, you know, that comes back to Switzerland, uh, it, it, that information, and then you can work out if that could help other markets out there, right? So you kind of create this kind of, I suppose, this web um, of, uh, yeah, information sharing, um, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
So, yeah, your your audience is not consumers primarily. It's it's those businesses that you talked about, those kind of uh, dental labs and dental practices of one sort or another. Um, what are the specific challenges for you with B two B marketing? Do you think? Um, as you probably you know could guess before when I talked about who are dental professionals, so already there we have quite a big variety of of job descriptions or, or you know specialties. And so the diversity is definitely one of the biggest challenges, I would say, um, because nowadays, you know, people always talk about customer journeys. If you, you know, go into communication or digital marketing and what we figured, I mean, there is no such thing as the customer journey that, you know, sort of fits through all the specialties that we have to serve and GPs, oral maxillofacial surgeons. They're all, they all have different needs. They all have different ways of, of researching, buying, um, rebuying, etc. So really also the size of the practice is definitely something to consider. Um, so really we have to think thoroughly in those personas and, and map out the journeys for specific campaigns that we're doing. Also journeys when it comes more to, you know, um, sort of the, the, the entire life cycle of, you know, being something like a, a newsletter subscription to becoming maybe a light registration on a e-learning platform to really becoming a customer that is, you know, entered in CRM that has a, a login with our e-shop, et cetera. Um, also there, I think we really have to think through um, different kind of user journeys, customer journeys for the different um, segments. And this, I think, is really just a challenge because naturally you tend to try to unify as much as possible um, just to reduce complexity, but that's not never really um, living up to the expectations that the customers may have. And therefore, I think it's always this you know balance between going too deep, too narrow, um, but also, you know, obviously we cannot spend endless amount of time just, you know, serving every single segment of one. Um, so therefore, that's one of the biggest challenges. So it's quite fractured. It's quite uh, segmented the way that you see it so but do those different segments see a lot of the same content how tailored is it to your different personas i think dental professionals they're actually a highly engaged audience um i would probably say other healthcare professionals are likewise in, in specific areas um they really love to consume rich content that is adding value to their you know decision making processes to their professional life uh, they like scientific, educational, um, clinical cases, clinical content um, in a way that is easily consumable. Um, so, I mean, uh, if you talk or target more academic and probably hospital-based um, um, dental professionals, then, you know, they, they're used to reading uh, scientific and, and peer-reviewed journals, etc., um, the latest research. But if you're talking to general practitioners and, and you know, other healthcare or dental professionals, I think they really like to um, have condensed information uh, that where the, the practical use of such a scientific, you know, finding or whatever is being explored, um, ideally also from peer to peer, um, and I wouldn't say that we, you know, really um, create content for, for segments of one, but obviously we're trying. Uh, but this is, again, a constant struggle between the resources we have available, the aspirations that we have and what the customer actually would need and what we can finally also deliver. But yeah, you need to have a benchmark or an aspiration to jump as high as possible. 
and uh, otherwise you don't jump high enough. Yeah. Yes, indeed, indeed. That's interesting um, to to hear about that. How yeah, you've got to be you've got to be quite segmented about it. So, how do you think a B two C marketer like myself really would need to adapt when coming into your environment of B two B marketing? First of all, I think in the in the B two B space, it's not always one single decision maker. It's not necessarily the case also in B2C. If you're buying a new TV, obviously your wife, your children also have a say in that. But in, um, in B2B, uh, it's usually, yes, it's, it's a practice owner. If it's a single practice owner practice, but sometimes, you know, it's like multi-owner practice or we even talk about dental service organizations, clinics, chains, where you have, you know, sort of the CEO, you have the operations manager, you have the clinical um, lead and, and these are all different stakeholders that have different needs and marketing to b2b means um, not just segmenting in between different um, target audiences but or different you know um, dental professionals but really um, crafting messages that fit all the stakeholders that are part of a decision decision making process and I think this is um, something that you need to consider when when moving from b2c to b to be. Um, also, there is much longer decision-making processes. Um, it's less uh, just, you know, by, by gut feeling or emotional uh, impulses. Um, I think this really has to be taken into consideration. consideration. There is top funnel, there is mid funnel and bottom funnel, um, you know, journey stages that um, require us to craft different kinds of messages going from awareness to, you know, consideration and final decision-making. And I think the loyalty game is also probably different. That doesn't need to be for all B2C uh, scenarios. Obviously, if you're, again, in, in, a, you know, in liaison with the, with the retailer, you have your loyalty programs, etc. But again, it's not the case for all um, B2C products. And, and usually in B2B, uh, it just starts with, you know, getting a customer into your world, first time buying, and then you really have to, you know, leverage him and his, you know, also career in a in a longer period of time. So it's really a partnership where you as a company, you, you bring him value constantly. And if, if you don't deliver that, he will, you know, look beyond your, your company. And I think this is something that is um, very much different from, from B2C. Yes, that that you're right. This it's that longer sales cycle. But does doesn't that mean that loyalty is easier because it's harder for people to find a different supplier? Again, yes, it's it's a longer decision making cycle. But again, if you lose someone, um, you know, it's then also much harder and much more expensive to to acquire new customers. So I think it's it's very important to keep them in and. Even in, in a, such a specialized area like dentistry, where we produce dental implants and clear liners, um, you know, also prosthetic parts for, you know, tooth restorations. Um, it's, how to say, um, to, to really differentiate yourself, differentiate, to, to, to differentiate yourself with just the products gets harder and harder because, you know, most of the internationally operating companies, um, produce you know very high quality products um so you really need to differentiate yourself through services through you know really also a digital experience that makes making business with us for them easy uh useful and enjoyable 
And and therefore, I think, you know, it's it's yeah, really that part where you need to keep them into your game because otherwise they will switch because a B2B buyer today is actually like a B2B, a P2C buyer because he expects, you know, sort of the same Uber and Amazon-like experiences as he does in, in his private life. Hello, a quick reminder from me that if you're enjoying our podcast series, why not become a member of the DMI so that you can enjoy loads more content from webinars and case studies to toolkits and more real-life insights from the world of digital marketing. Head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com forward slash ahead of the game to sign up for free. Now back to the podcast. The, the way that brands um, serve us, you know, B2C brand servers, that's changed the B2B customers' expectations, right? Absolutely. I mean, um, <laughs> the shift is not new. I mean, it started latest, if not much earlier, but in 2008 when, you know, famous Steve Jobs presented his, his iPhone. Um, you know, ever since, you know, the, the, also the B2B buyer or especially the B2B buyer had all the power in his hands to make the research, to talk to peers, um, and there is a lot of, you know, research and studies out there that say in a B2B decision-making journey, it's actually 60 to 80% of that journey is being made by a B2B buyer without ever getting in contact with a sales or any representative of the company he's intending to buy from, um, which means B2B companies are missing out the first 60 to 80% of that journey uh, and are trying to get into that game. But um, so... The, the, the customer or the B2B buyer is, is empowered by technology and he has higher expectations than ever. Um, again, by, you know, having also a private life where he sees what uh, digitally is, is possible and how easy it is to make, you know, um, a, a contract with, with Uber to, to ride on a, on a taxi. Um, and this experience and expectations are also reflected on the, on the B2B buyer. And they expect us, you know, through... Um, their digital touch points that they have with or without our company throughout getting in contact with either an inside sales or sales rep or you know somebody in a, in a in a course that he later may book that the experience is always you know consistent seamless and that whomever he's talking to has an idea of where he stands in his decision making uh, process and what past touch point he's had and making this sort of you know work internally that everybody understands and has the, the the full 360 view of the customer, I think this is something that we are struggling with and that a lot of other B2B companies probably also struggling with. Yeah. Talk to me about that. What 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 is this? Because I hear a lot about this challenge of having the the 360 degree view of the customer. Just tell me in plain layman's terms what that means and why it's a challenge. Probably it's just simplest start with an example. Um it's probably not the um the self, well, you can also say like the customer or the consumer, uh, the B2B customer is on a journey to, you know, he, he probably reads an interesting article somewhere about that new dental implant that um, Strauman has brought on the market. He starts his own research, Googling around. Um, he probably ends up at one of our um, YouTube, um, you know, articles where we uh, publish clinical cases um, to the practical use of our implants. He may subscribe as a, as a newsletter um, subscriber. He gets another email a month later. Uh, there is another offer to download a free ebook with, you know, additional, I don't know, 10, 15 clinic cases. He leaves his email address and some more details. Um, at some point, 
we in marketing we say okay this you know there there's a lead that is heating up um based on his engagement with us then we will also try to gather additional information about him um like uh you know how long has he been in practice what's his educational status um what's the city he lives in is it you know metropolitan area is it a rural area um we may investigate how many implants he places per year and all this information um having you know more insights or profile data of, of the customer will help us to um qualify and score the lead um and at some point we will hand that lead over to to a sales rep or an inside salesperson and that usually is where in our world um the traceability uh when it comes from a data perspective comes to an end because then we rely on a human being that is then picking up the conversation with the lead um you know either physically or on the phone and then still having that data in our systems because you need to manually um add it what the conversation has been about um uh when did he get in contact is he moving on in the opportunity management so the pipeline sort of is he moving stages ahead um is he finally also buying and having this full view i think this is where you know systems don't do the job itself there's obviously a lot of automation tools out there and probably the, the most sophisticated technology does a lot of the manual work for for the for the people but in the end really capturing all these data points and bringing them together in systems that talk to each other i think that is sort of the 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 holy grail of b2b marketing that sounds great but that does also sound hard because like you say that's that's not one system there's humans involved um so just just to, just to pause on that point for a minute do you you know you have crm software is there is there some is there one tool that does it all um or do you have to tie different tools together there <laughs> yeah if we wish there was one tool probably um <laughs> companies selling these tools would probably say that you know there is one tool that that does it all in my experience so far there hasn't been this one holy grail tool and also you know there's seldomly a company that comes from a green field uh, so usually what we talk about is a brown field approach so we have a lot of legacy technology that has been stacking up over the years with lots of customization and now everybody is you know jumping on the Let's go to the cloud bandwagon, and um, yeah, you're then stuck with the question. So, how do we get this done? So, we're in the middle of this journey right now. Um, the way we did it or are doing it is um, looking at the use cases. Um, and I think here again, as I pointed out before, there's not the one and only you know customer journey that will um, reflect all the, the the customers out there. But you really need to look into specific use cases. And start with the ones that are most valuable to the customer and also most valuable to business efficiency. And then you map those out. So you say, for example, we want our customers to be able to register on our eShop by themselves. Because right now, uh, with the Stram, because we sell medical devices, uh, a lot of countries they they require you know, a prior check about, you know, their financials, but also if they're really a registered dental professionals, because otherwise we're not allowed to sell them something. But in today's world, there is ways how you can, you know, at least from 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 a business perspective, automate this by, you know, they can upload their um, uh, identity cards um, with, a, with a live picture capturing. They can uh, enter their registration number as a dental professional. 
uh, with lookups in different systems. So there's a lot of these services available, but what you really need to do is map out these use cases and journeys, be it internal and or external. Um, and this is what we did for various cases. So these self-service um, capabilities for the customers, like, you know, um, doing e-returns. So if that you can return your product with an, with an online form, um, e-complaints that if, you know, a product is, is has failures or whatever, it didn't work, um, that you can also submit these things online um, 24-7 at any time and also going to the e-shop, you know, whenever you want. So, so these kind of self-service journeys we've, we've mapped out. Uh, we've mapped out this lead to loyalty journey, as we call it, where, you know, really from um, the first data capture of a potential lead or prospect until we hand it over to, to our inside sales or sales rep, that this journey is also automated as much as possible to really being able to automatically resolve the identity of, of a new registrant. And, and these things, really, you need to, in every detail, map it out, um, create you know these kind of process mapping workshops, uh, design thinking. And then in the end, yes, you need strong, as in our case, strong technology partners that then translate that into um, yeah, a roadmap or agile product, digital product developments um, that you constantly follow up. And, and, and as you mentioned before, it's not just one tool. So it's many tools. And there is for each tool, there is a product group or, you know, a product development group, a product owner, and they all work usually independently. And the trick is then to synchronize all of them together so that they all share the same vision where we want to head to and then constantly align on interdependencies and, and aligning, you know, sort of the de development roadmaps and times and bringing that all into sync. And, and I think this is in the end, the art of so technology does a lot of things, but you need to tell the technology what to do. And um, yeah. Yes. So that's interesting. So yeah, you have these like use cases. So the, the they would be the way to describe that, be the various sort of the various objectives, various actions that you want to drive and what leads to them and you sort of map out that that those journeys and then like you say work out how to optimize those now it sounds like you've done quite a lot of work i mean clearly you've been you've been at strauman for a number of years and, and it's been you that's implemented a lot of this stuff um when you got started with this was the problem not having enough people coming into the funnel or was there a very specific point in the funnel that was very leaky like what was your what was the big problem no you you point right at the at the right pain points um it's never the problem to get enough uh, attention leads marketing qualified leads uh registrations for webinars etc that's usually the easy part um the, the difficult part is then to identify those that really have an intent and if you have identified those that have an intent, it's then about bringing them into your existing database because usually, again, like webinars and all these other digital marketing things, they happen on siloed databases again. And you sort of connect them to, to our existing customer database and first of all identify, do we know this person already? Yes or no? And if yes, then it's, you know, you can automate sort of this lead creation process where you then um, route the lead to the right sales rep because based on, you know, zip code and, and then sort of which brand, which solution and focus, 
uh, we are you know looking at. Um, but as soon as you don't know the customer yet, or seemingly you don't know because you weren't able to resolve the identity, um, that's where then you know the manual part comes in, and there is then sort of in, in our world, you know, you create sort of a, a ticket or a task to a back office team that then creates that new prospect in the system that then creates a manual uh, lead uh, to the sales force. And usually already there, um, we see a leakage of, you know, the traceability of um, because we did that marketing activity, it's now created that lead that a month later did do this purchase. Uh, because people tend then to forget, okay, uh, I should have added this campaign ID, for example. Or um, also, again, if you have the lead created, even with the campaign ID to the sales force, and it's not about finger pointing and saying sales is something wrong, but it's really, uh, they also tend to forget then, oh, I need to put, you know, the, the, this prospect one stage ahead in, in our opportunity management so that marketing again knows that, you know, something is moving and that we can really say these and these marketing activities have brought so many opportunities in the pipeline and they have been moving so and so fast. And to have that intel to then actually improve the way we capture more of those uh, leads, this would be really great to have. We don't always have it. And speaking of that, uh, again, what we're trying to do is to map out what are the systems involved, what are the processes involved, who are the people involved in these journeys, and always ask ourselves, where do we capture the data? Um, where is it stored? How is it processed? How can we create a segment out of that? So what you know, micro um, factors or attributes do we have to create these micro segments? How do we activate them later on? And also how do we measure the whole thing, yeah. Yeah, that's a really nice crystallized way of thinking about it. Actually, what you what you just said there, and um, that that is the, the the sort of the job of lead handling. You you, you talked about uh, MQLs, marketing qualified leads, which just for the benefit of listeners is a system whereby at some point. Uh, a lead is scored, and that score rises above a certain threshold, and some sort of trigger happens, um, and that that person is then passed to sales. So maybe they downloaded a certain number of white papers, or took a certain amount of actions on the website, and that kind of puts them into a, onto this other list of people that should be followed up with by sales. Is is that a, a, a fair description of that? Yeah, that's pretty, pretty, pretty adequate. I think I can only add that um, engagement, as you just pointed out, you know, um, uh, a number of clicks and and, and downloads of, of things that you know in, uh, show like an intent. But on the other hand, if you really want to make salespeople happy, is not just people that are really engaged, but also people that are engaged and actually the right fit for what we call the ideal customer profile, and. I think the only way to get it right is on one side, we talked about it, is technology. Yes, the data and the, the, the systems need to speak to each other. But actually beforehand, you also need to speak to your salespeople to really identify what kind of leads do you want from us? How can we sort of play together that you um, can act on the best leads? And, and defining this ideal customer profile is the other critical element in lead scoring. So on one side, you have the engagement score, on the other side, you have the fit of the ideal customer profile. So if a sales rep says, 
I'm interested in leads that place at least 50 implants per year. Um, yeah, if you know somebody only places 20, but he's highly engaged, then we may not send him to the sales force. We may um, send him another email that says, look, ideally, here's the, the, the place where you can register for our eShop or, you know, go do this course or we send them to inside sales because obviously that's a less costly um, sales channel. So this is what we then call omni-channel, um, an omni-channel model that we actually orchestrate from demand generation. So really bringing those people into the funnel, but then qualifying them and redistributing them to the right follow-up channel that, you know, is most effective, but also... Um, in a, from an experience or experiential point of view, um, also you know most efficient for the customer. Yeah, that's very interesting. And just in really practical terms, just to bring this stuff right down onto the desk, like what? How? What? How is this scoring? How does this scoring work? Is that your CRM system that's doing that automatically? Like what is actually happening there? Yeah, good question. Again, um, I think. The CRM system, at least in our case, is more like the, the database where you capture the, 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 the master data, as we call it, of your existing customer. And at most of your prospects, we define prospect as somebody that is in our CRM but has never bought from us. Whereas a customer is somebody that has been or has a buying history with us. And so we only become a customer once you've bought. Before, you're either a prospect or an opportunity or a lead in, in sales or commercial terminology. Uh, for the actual lead scoring or lead capturing, lead scoring, lead profiling, and lead qualification, etc., we use marketing automation, or um, you can also call it multi-channel automation in certain ways. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's just baked into your CR CRM system, and everybody has a score. No, this is not baked into our CRM system. This is really a, a software stack that is put on top, but is heavily um, interlinked with the CRM because we always, again, differentiate between existing customers. And you know, we even for existing customers, somebody that is has been you know buying a certain kind of implant, but is getting interested in another one, in another type from another brand or whatever, can still become a lead. Uh, I think this is just, you know, a different kind of lead. It's a, a lead of an existing, you know, customer. And these scorings, again, because, you know, we sent them information because we've identified them as a, a potential um, segment that, you know, ideally would be interested in, in our other products as well, um, that they have been sent communication and they have been responding to that communication. That would trigger a score uh, that then again triggers um, sales or back office activity, yeah. Traditionally, we're very um, strongly engaged with SAP. Um, that's a German company. And there, you know, we're, we're using SAP CRM, so the base, but then also SAP ERP. That's then the system where, you know, all the invoicing and, and, and the, the, the logistics is happening. We use SAP Marketing Cloud, it's called, uh, for the marketing automation. Um, we use also SAP Commerce Cloud, which is then used for our eShop. And we also have things like SAP customer data cloud which is a customer identity and access management so this kind of single sign-on technology where the customer will have one single password and login to access all of our digital um, services 
I see. Right. So it's those SAP products that are doing all of that stuff that we've talked about. But we also complemented with other, you know, companies' products, but more like bolt on. I think, you know, again, it, it, yes, it, it's like a Frankenstein in the end. Huh? <laughs> you, you somehow need to put it together. It always is. Like you say, it always is, regardless of how big and comprehensive a suite of marketing tech products that you use, um, you'll always bolt on very specific, you know, use case specific or problem specific things that and that's 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 totally fine and uh, i'm sure our listeners do that in their own way as well um you, you just a, another thing to pick up on you talked about the the omni channel thing and you know how you're you're you, you've made everything there quite omni channel but just break down again in very practical terms like what does that actually mean there at Stramman? So what we call it internally, just uh, again to live up to the expectation of using as many buzzwords as possible, is we call it our omnichannel uh, demand generation engine that we're building up. And I think you have to understand that, yes, everybody talks about digital transformation these days, and there's you know various definitions. Uh, when I talk now about digital transformation, I really mean the, the, the custom experience transformation or how we commercialize um, our, you know, uh, products and solutions. Um, so the Strauman traditionally has been really strong with, with the field sales force going, you know, from door to door, um, farming, but also hunting um, new customers. And the company has significantly grown our, over the last seven, eight years. And we've, you know, acquired new brands. We've, um, we're serving additional customer segments um, and therefore, we just figured, you know, the sales rep out there aren't able to really sell the full portfolio of all brands and all solutions. And obviously, they're naturally going after the ones that, you know, add most value to the customers or, you know, bring the biggest incentives for themselves. So a lot of brands, a lot of customer segments just get overlooked. And we then, you know, embarked on a journey um, to say, OK, we need to leverage alternative sales channels in order to, to also, you know, being able to um, commercialize these segments as well. Um, and then how we looked at it is from an organizational perspective, because the different brands uh, within the Strauman Group, they would usually have something like called their launch readiness or, you know, they launch new products and solutions that goes with, you know, registering the product um, in, in certain regions. It goes with, you know, having master data in the systems for the logistics, for regulatory approvals, all sorts of things, um, including marketing and, and sales material that is being, you know, created, translated and sent over to the countries. But then usually what we've talked about already, countries then, then you know, look at those materials, they either reinvent it or not use it or use it in a different way. And we want to make this process more efficient, but always, and this is, you know, something strange or it may sound strange, always under the premises of um, living up to, you know, having an industry-leading customer experience. Because we believe only if we, if you always put the customer at center stage of your thinking, um, you can really then also internally get more efficient. I'm giving you an example. Again, if this lead to loyalty process doesn't work internally because marketing qualifies a lead and, you know, somebody actually requested to be talking to a sales rep, but the sales rep never reaches out. I think this is really, you know, a bad experience. So in order to get that right, you need to internally align. The same goes with, you know, reading uh, an article on the internet, 
um, subscribing to a newsletter, uh, maybe downloading a brochure, talking to somebody um, from the field sales force, the experience should always be you know, seamless. The messaging should be aligned and clarified. Um, and everybody should know uh, the, the history of, of that you know, lead into our journey. And again, if you don't take that as your leading vision, um, you're not going to uh, align internally. Um, and I think how we look at the omnichannel at demand generation, as we call it, is really less a technology transformation, less only a process um, uh, thing, but really changing the mindset of the people of, you know, really collaborating together. Yes, this comes then naturally down to uh, processes as well. What we believe is really important, and this is really the key for us in, in omnichannel um marketing or sales and marketing or omnichannel commercialization is aligning sales and marketing and we've touched upon it a little bit it's about the ideal customer profile so who are we after what is a qualified lead that a sales rep would actually want to follow up with um, this definition needs to happen together at the table when planning out campaigns and and customer you know initiatives um also the the, the, the lead to loyalty process so who at what stage is is whom going to be handed over to, you know, what other person, what are the systems that, you know, will track these things and what is the, the data entry diligent that is needed by all internal stakeholders involved in, in order to make that happen. And we call that going, as I just explained before, from launch readiness really to execution readiness. And only if we have a disagreement between sales and marketing um, beforehand going to uh, launch a campaign, including aspirations, KPIs, etc., defined and how to measure them, we will actually go out and do it because otherwise you're always going to end up in the blame game, marketing qualified leads, sales didn't follow up, sales saying, well, the leads weren't worth anything. Um, and this is how we actually see Omnichannel that makes sense and 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 it i like the way that it's very focused around uh, your personas and around your objectives in terms of what does a marketing marketing qualified lead look like and and what's that end point i'm aware that our time is uh, running short how have you made social media work for you um, as a group of brands i'm not uh, claiming that we have worked it all out but we're definitely on the journey of of, of getting better every day um because we're passionate about it i think you know that's first of all what you need you need people that are passionate about these channels that um sort of get the concept of how to make a brand more lively um in digital how to tell stories and just instead of just you know barking out um content and i think this is sort of the basic mindset that you that you need to have other than that i think it's always and really always about value and for us or probably in general um healthcare professionals always about education science and clinical practice um approaches or clinical cases in a way that is, you know, easy and enjoyable to consume. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an overused term. So it's all about adding value. It's about when you turn up in someone's feed, adding value through information that just helps people do their job 
better, basically. And it's really aggregate or making content sublime in a way. You know, it's not just about taking, again, a research paper and putting a link to that somewhere. It's really about um, distilling the key messages for the dental professional, what it means in everyday life to him or to her, and, and making that in a, in a visual way that it's easily consumable. Yeah, I think this is really the key. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in terms of the content marketing more broadly, so, yeah, it's informative, but can you entertain in B2B, do you think? We definitely believe so in the end. Um, and this is, again, an overstretched term, but it's, there is no such thing as B2B, but it's only business to humans. Um, so every time the recipient is a human being and um, obviously, yes, you need to emotionalize the communication as well. And we usually leave about 20% room for really you know, the emotional, the storytelling um, and more you know, fun uh, part, whereas we usually say 80% needs to be somehow value adding and, and more business related. Do, do you think there are any brands out there that are doing this particularly well in your view? A brand that I like to follow, um, it's probably not somebody selling something, but it's the World Economic Forum, the WEF. Um, they really are upping the game in what it means to deliver um, value-adding, crisp, snackable content to me every day um, about you know, uh, world issues, uh, megatrends that are relevant. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, that's, that's a good shout. I follow them as well. And uh, I think you're right, crisp, a good, good way of putting it, crisp short content that just it's well distilled for the benefit of our listeners what advice would you give to someone who's just got a new job and it's their first job in b2b marketing what would you tell that person book a course with the digital marketing institute and get certified of course (laughs) (laughs) perfect other than that i think it's all about constant playing and learning uh try things Read a lot. Um, just, you know, read, read, read. I can only recommend to always <laughs> subscribe to all possible newsletters, uh, download ebooks, white papers, because it, it never, you know, stops. Obviously, there is core things that never change in, in marketing. So there's always, you know, uh, understanding your customer and, and living up to his expectations. But other than that, you know, technology processes, um, best practices, you constantly need to keep yourself up to date. Otherwise, you are going to make yourself redundant. Indeed, indeed. Lastly, what what sort of shifts and trends are you seeing in B2B marketing today? What's on the horizon? Well, I I don't know so much on the horizon, but, you know, um, I think B2C, uh, again, Uber, Amazon, you know, we've always talked about customer centricity. I think now B2B companies are starting to understand what it means to, to, you know, live up to that customer um, centricity expectations that today's B2B customer has. Um, And this triggers a lot of, you know, internal um, organizational changes that, you know, now it's not, you know, the CEO or just the, the shareholder that is, you know, uh, the, the key or the king. Now it's really all about customer and, and managing. I think customer experience is definitely one of the, of the new era. So it's not just enough about sales and marketing KPIs of saying, you know, we've put through so many MQLs, SQLs, and they've bought so many new products. But it's actually about also measuring CSAT, so customer satisfaction scores, customer 
um, effort score. So how much effort did the customer put in in order to make business with us? us? It's also about net promoter score. So measuring the loyalty of your existing customers at as many touch points as possible. I think this is definitely one of the things, um, as I mentioned before, because of that, um, you need to constantly align internally sales and marketing. You know, some industries, it's even becoming one department. They call it revenue, um, um, uh, revenue um, operations or, again, demand generation. And, and other than that, I think a lot of B2B companies are starting to enter the direct-to-consumer business model, meaning they skip sort of the, 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 the reseller uh, and directly go to the consumer. And what I've recently sort of got to know from, from China, it's always a good thing to look uh, into China, how they are evolving the digital game, is this um, consumer-to-manufacturer um, kind of you know, development. So there, the consumers, and it goes back to customer centricity, consumers are gathering um, in so-called group buying. I think there it's, a, it's called Ping Duo Duo in China, a platform like this. So actually the consumers gather together and say, I want, or we are a group of 1,000 people. We want this shoe in blue. You don't manufacture it yet. And they actually go back to the manufacturer and make them produce the blue shoe. And again, they skip the retailer that usually would say, okay, based on our market research and because we have been uh, tracking people in our store, we've identified they might light blue shoe, but actually they want the dark blue shoe, right? And now consumers are telling the manufacturers directly what they want to have. And I think this is sort of a, a reverse engineered um, thing that we are going to see more and more. Yeah. That's really interesting. Well, Dominic, I uh, thank you so much for all your your insight and um, knowledge about what you're doing there and what you've done. Um, it's been really interesting. I'm sure our listeners will, there's lots to kind of think about there for people. Um, before I let you go, just tell people where can they find you and connect with you online? Most likely LinkedIn, I'd say. Um, yeah, just look up for my name uh, and the Strama group for now. <laughs> um, Dominic with a K. With a K, exactly. And I've also got a website, which is quite basic, I have to admit. It's www.dominicschneider.com. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Dominic. Um, I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Take care. Thank you. And uh, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about transforming your marketing career through certified online training, head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com. Thanks for listening.